and welcome to Paint and Bright Quarterly Slush Pile. We're so glad that you've uh, chosen us as a podcast to listen to today. Um, so what are we going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to read some poems and we're going to discuss them. So basically, we're having an editorial meeting that you get to listen into. Um, we do this for lots of reasons, but mostly it's just to uh, try to reveal that editorial process for poets. People send their work out, and then what? Right? This is the what? <laughs> and we're um, going to illustrate that for you. And we is um, part of the editorial team at Painted by Quarterly, and I am Kathleen Volkmiller, part of that team. And um, yeah, very excited that we're doing this today and um, bouncing it to have Marion Wren say hello. Hello, 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 slushies. It's Marion Wren zooming in from far, far away, a planet called Abu Dhabi, sand planet that's at the beginning of the, one of those Star Wars episodes. So I, I, I give you that image to think with. And then I bounce the ball to Jason Schneiderman. Heidi, hi. Hi. I am Jason Schneiderman. I'm in Brooklyn. I was just, New York is opening up again. So I'm just thinking about how we've been doing remote Zoom casting since before it was like a pandemic necessity. I was gonna say before it was cool, but I was like, actually before it was a pandemic necessity, there was nothing cool, cool about it. Um, but yes, I am in Brooklyn. Um, it is a gorgeous day. The birds are out, the trees are lovely. And I'm gonna bounce it over to Samantha. Hi everyone, um, I am Samantha and I am in Philadelphia. And I will echo what Jason said. And there are just so many peonies now just blooming all over my, uh, my mom's neighborhood. And it's just been a delight after living abroad for, for over eight years to kind of see the progression of the flowers and the trees as, as they bloom in a way that I, I almost didn't remember it happening. Spring was just like this solid impression. Um, so it's been lovely and I will pass it to Alex. Hello, I'm Alex and I'm on Long Island and every time we call our listeners slushies, I think of the 7-Eleven drink. I'm like, oh, that should be our logo. And then I remember Glee did that and I was like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> who did it? What? You remember who did it? Glee. Glee, uh, they threw slushies a lot. That was the whole thing. Like they would sing and then they get so slushies. So throw a giant them. like milkshake at them. Well, no, it's definitely slushy because it's like very fruit, like flavored colors. Okay. Like it was bright colored. Purple like grape. <laughs> yeah. Well, our slushies are cooler. Yeah. We never throw our slushies. <laughs> our loyal slushies. We will not throw you at anyone. Glee, literally, in no way will we throw our slushies. Um, so yeah, let's say hello to Larissa Morgano and Kate Wagner, our wonderful sound engineers. Hello, hello. Hi, hi, hi. I'm glad nobody can see me swatting the uh, fungus gnats away from my face. <laughs> you have <laughs> fungus not hallucinating. Nuts? Yeah, there's a, one of oh my, my plants overwatered. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, you are now part of the family, sister. That's beautiful. <laughs> so we're going to stop talking and we'll just have a writing prompt, which is fungus gnats. We'll be back in 20 minutes with poems. Just talking about how beautiful the peonies are. Larissa's having convulsions. Yeah, well, you know, um, can we stay in place for just one second? Because I'm very excited about this. So last year, I decided that... Um, 
I needed to make my front porch even more private. So I, I made this twine go in vertical lines and then had honeysuckle growing up it. And, um, and it went, it worked pretty well. Well, this year, all on their own, they just came back. And they're growing up these strings and I'm having neighbors go, oh my gosh, I love walking past your front porch. And I'm like, oh my gosh, because I've never, I'm not a plant person at all. I'm not at all, at all, at all. But, you know, last year, as many people did, uh, I gardened. And now I'm reaping the rewards again this year. And I just never even expected that. It felt like quite a gift, you know? So anyway, I'll have to take pictures. Um, so let's get to what's really important right now. And that is the poetry of Eric Stiefel. So, so glad that uh, for his generosity and allowing us to discuss this work. And um, we have three and I would love to jump right in and uh, voluntold Jason Schneiderman to give us, Hello. give it a read, give it a read. All right, read. here I am. Um, at this point, I'd take anything. That's the name of the poem. At this point, I'd take anything. A claw of threads, all it takes to follow one thought to the next. When West killed himself, I didn't say his name out loud for months. Though most days, I still lean forward and pull my head back, as if some spectral hands pulls my chin taut and points my gaze to the life he abandoned inside this house of chaos we call every day or otherwise inscrutable. My shoulders trembling like stained glass, the same way I imagine Theseus trembled as his father threw himself to the rocks, not long after he left Ariadne sleeping on a beach made of coral and grit. The mind displaced while the body stays behind, the breath clipped short and calcified, strung up in the overgrown garden Dante held back for suicides. While in some version of the myth, Ariadne became a god, goddess of serpents and twine and everything tangled, winged beasts hovering on the fringe of knowing one way or the other, gloating on the worn out roots of the trees we'll be burdened to, until I'm sitting on the floor in front of a coffee table, pleading first with myself and then everything else, the skeleton of history and an infinity of arrangements of the stars for an answer of some kind. At this point, I'd take anything that masquerades as understanding, like a barrel to my chest, something to cradle off into the murk and the shadows of the night. Wow, red. Ooh, this poem. All right, so I want to jump in and say it took me a minute to remember the whole Theseus Ariadne thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's so it's Theseus and the Minotaur, and he's in the maze, and it's Ariadne who gives him the twine. Got it, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, and understanding that is like central to the to the way this poem like accumulates. Um, I think accumulates is the wrong image, right? So. Dear listeners, when you look at the poem in the notes, you'll see its couplets, and it's almost like smoke rising, the, the way it sort of spirals, right, into, into itself, right, into the connections that it's making. And it's, it's very subtle, 
um mm -hmm. and so like the the metaphor of the mind as a kind of labyrinth that you have to be led out of because otherwise you get lost inside of it and commit suicide um it's so subtle like it's, it's really not very heavy-handed and in a lot of ways like it, it's like the i think smoke is is almost like a smoke is a better way of thinking about how the poem works even though the poem is about using the twine to find your way out yeah. i think the couplets are perfect um this poem uh, slushies is a it wide very long lines but done in couplets and i think each couplet really um, reads perfectly unto itself and makes sense to me with that first sentence it's kind of meta in that way the clause threads all it takes to follow one thought to the next and these couplets connect in such a beautiful subtle way artful way So I will say there are moments where I can imagine paring down the language and I wonder if there's something going on with prosody there, right? Like even in like, if you just look at the last stanza, at this point, I'd take anything that masquerades as understanding like a barrel to my chest, something to cradle off into the murk and the shadows of the night um, is a, like a, a stunner of an image, but it feels, it feels, um, uh, like there's a the quality of like wordiness in the in the poem, right? Not that that's an, enough to to push me away or make me to stop reading, but it does add to the sort of like narrative pacing, right? Of of the piece. Well, and, and I think this the syntax is really complicated. There were sort of yeah. a, a number of like conditional clauses where I wasn't quite sure where the conditional clause was going to resolve into the unconditional clause. There was a sort of like if then I was kind of waiting for the then to land. Right, and those and those sort of gestures of like I imagine, or you know what I mean, like the making the thinking visible in the lines. It's it's a really delicate balance because I think on on one hand the poem is about how associative the mind is, right? So the po I mean, in some ways the poem is enacting this kind of getting lost and it's sort of you know splitting the difference between a kind of um, polished poem which sort of perfectly brings you from like skipped stone to skipped stone to skipped stone to shore um, with this kind of like, here's what it feels like to be lost. Here's what it feels yeah. like to just keep going deeper and deeper and not have someone to lead you out um, or to have someone who leads you out that you betray. But then is also, I, I until we read this poem for the, for the podcast, I hadn't known there were versions of the myth where Ariadne gets a happy ending. And then instead of Theseus just abandoning her on the shore, um, yeah. he leaves her because Dionysus says he has to, and then they like go off and become gods together. It's like, oh, that's, that's, I like that story better. <laughs> Even though like, you know, I mean, it, a lot of myths have that, like Iphigenia. Um, there are other versions where Iphigenia isn't sacrificed before the start of the Trojan War and she gets to go live happily elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I liked the way it was playing with the multiple Ariadnes, that you can, you can be let out and saved, you can be let out and abandoned, you can lead someone else out. And she, was murdered in a, in a, she was murdered in a few versions too, you know. So um, to go back to what you were saying in the beginning, Jason, about the use of I, I think 
because he gives us that eye right in the beginning, that incredibly intimate and painful moment of when Wes killed himself, I didn't say his name out loud. I think he's making his thinking it all through visible with, you know, the I imagine I, I, I'd take anything. <clears throat> I'm sitting on the floor in front of a coffee table, pleading first with myself and then everything else. So, he, you know, these broad strokes and this leaning back into mythology and bringing it back to such a small moment, right, of just his continual reflection. And I, and I think that, um, I mean, I've said many times that sort of what's persuasive is rhythm. And the rhythms in the poem, um, a claw of threads, all it takes to follow one thought to the next. Um, they're really carefully structured. I, I keep coming back to um, the image of stained glass trembling, and I, I have a I have a hard time imagining that, um, but I like it in the associative way that we were talking about the poem. Um, but I I I do have a hard time following that image in terms of of what I know of of stained glass and glasswork. Um, and and then also it it goes from like our speaker's shoulders to the father right onto the rocks which which makes me think of um you know uh the father or the man also as some kind of glass or or so so it's a it's a long image in the poem for for me personally not to be able to see correctly but but I, but I do, I do like the associativeness of it. Can we talk about the image image of the barrel at the end? Because it's such a weird, it's not comforting, right? Like, like holding a barrel to your chest is sort of awful, but better than nothing. Um, I was just like, what do people think about the the? Because it's. So interesting, Jason. Isn't it a? I took that. I took barrel, and especially because barrel's at the end of the line, right? Like for first, I'm thinking it's a real barrel, like you're holding right. a barrel. But then barrel to my chest made me think like the barrel of a gun, right? Which is, I mean, even more dark, right? Something to right. but then something to cradle off into the murk and the shadows of the night makes me want to go back to actual barrel, right? Like um, wine barrel or whiskey barrel. What's, what's odd, too, is that Wes killed himself. Of course, we don't see why, right? And that's the beginning, and then this is the last line. So I also thought of both, but mostly gun. But when people kill themselves, they don't usually hold the gun to their chest, right? They hold it to their head. So that made me feel like um, I'd take a barrel to my chest, like if somebody let somebody murder me, not the suicide. I pictured a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think to, to sort of link this back to Samantha's point too, like, so as a, like a first person meditation, we, we see, we see a lot of this, right. As editors for, for PBQ and part of the magic, I think of this piece is as we discuss like the, the rhythm of those lines 
and then the the spaciousness of the image, right? And that you, it could it could be barrel of the gun holding a barrel, like you know whiskey barrel, and the the fact that that can be read two ways doesn't actually, for me, detract from the power of the poem, right? But I think that's what Samantha was talking about with the the shimmering stained glass and then the father on the rocks that that the long image. Right, and it's lack of of um, specific. Well, not it is so specific, but it lacks a kind of like insistence on clarity. Right, like so, is that spaciousness a positive or does it push you out? Right, I think that's as an editor, like that's what I'm thinking about. Right, what how does that work? Is it pleasurable? Is it problematic? Because I, I thought about the barrel of the gun, and I, I definitely think that that like image is in there. Um, but I don't know. I just kept setting on. I I kept seeing a literal. Mm -hmm barrel like oh, like and yeah. I it sort of made the most sense to me is like something kind of a symbol of fullness kind of a symbol of, of having um having fullness that barrels are full of something yeah <laughs> wine maybe if, if I mean if Ariadne is the is the, <laughs> you know goes off with Dionysus maybe that's a, a barrel of wine and maybe maybe I'm going way too far there but um <laughs> But no, I I I think I, I liked. Um, I also I also found it a really um, profound image of, like, th there is this kind of image system within our culture where there's something that takes the place of a person, um, mm -hmm. hugging pillows. Um, you know, people are hugging trees during the pandemic when they couldn't hug each other. That there's this kind of way in which that stand-in made a lot of sense to me, um, sort of through the end of the poem. The tree hugging was like the saddest part of the pandemic. If anyone wants like a good like poem, like literally hugging a tree while your friend hugs a tree because you can't hug each other. Well, speaking of trees and gardens, um, what what did people think of the reference to Dante in there? Because it seems to be referencing Greek mythology, and then I guess, I guess just for me, like Dante seems like a, the divine divine comedy. Like seems like a different text, and it's referencing one of the circles. And like, I don't mind it because this poem moves so smoothly through everything, ironically, concerning the subject matter, but wasn't sure if that like took somebody out like, oh, other reference I need to understand as opposed to this kind of seamlessly kind of dipping through Greek mythology to explain something like. Yeah. Uh, Alex, I'll tell you, I dug it. Right. And I dug it because it's sort of like, um, you know, it's what is it, Virgil leading Dante through the circles of hell, right? So this notion of like having to be led through to an understanding really chimes with the project of this poem, sort of like as it's, you know, sort of sifting through meeting and coming, trying to come to some sort of understanding around this and this, the associative um, leaps that it's making in that effort towards understanding really kind of worked for me because it splits the eye, right? So it's sort of like, part of the self trying to understand this other part of itself is a, an interesting project or an interesting sort of like shadow in, in the poem, right? Um, so I think it's enriched by the reference to Dante. It doesn't throw me out. But anybody else? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I was thinking a lot about kind of the, the history of, of so-called like kind of like Western mythology and storytelling because we were signaled by that name West in the beginning and so I saw that as part of that, like, thread that is happening with, um, 
you know, Greek mythology, and then, you know, we're, we're moving to a, a Italian literature, and it, it just felt um, like part of some kind of long thread. Um, and, and, and we get that reference at the again, again, like this skeleton of, of history and an infinity of arrangements. And so in some ways, I thought of that as like, the kind of the personal stories um, that someone is using to make sense of something. So, so in this speaker's case, we have like these two stories, but like, you know, the next person might not really remember, um, you know, Dante or might not really remember these Greek stories. So they're like making their, their sense making with whatever ones they do remember. Wow, said Sam, that's gorgeous, right? That, that really heightens, that flashes on that infinity of arrangements really beautifully. You know, we, uh, I knew these poems were gonna take, you know, were, are so rich that there'd be so much to discuss that I, I think I might have to um, suggest that we yeah. take a vote so that we can move on and hear from hear some more of um, Eric Stiefel's work. Are you guys ready? Do you feel comfortable voting? My, my thumb, my thumb knows. Your thumb is itchy, your thumb is going. All right, let's I, do, it, do it. One, two, three, thumbs. All right. That woohoo slushies, as loyal listeners will know, means it's in unanimously. So, all right, thank you for that, Eric. And, um, let us go on. We have up next, Phantasmagoric. Oh, I, I can read this one. Okay. Phantasmagoric. Each time I kill one of my old selves, or more often let him loose into the static, I stumble on a shade sometime later, often when the seasons have changed and the lilacs have withered, so that, the, so that they too no longer resemble their former selves. He was right there, right there, standing in front of the meat market with a ring of brass keys in his hand, just watching as the pedestrians idled by. And I start to ask if I would recognize myself if seen from any real distance or, if, or would it all just blur terribly so that, so that there could be no gesture, no omen or ominous figure Working in the corner of one one's eyes, one one's eye, and what would I do then? What jar would I keep the days in, and how would I order them, or else unravel further into a blizzard of ideas? And then what sense could I make of this before suddenly drifting away? Thank you. Thanks, Alex. So listener, always remember too that you can go to pbqmag.org and look at these poems on the page. Um, so this one is four line stanzas. And that moment, he was there, right there, standing in front of the meat market with a ring of brass keys in his hand, just watching as the pedestrians idled by. That's an italics. It's a really inter it's very interesting to go from um, the sort of literal suicide in the previous poem and how that launches a kind of associative process to a kind of figurative suicide and the way in which death, I'm thinking a lot about metaphor, I'm teaching a course on metaphor soon. Um, and of course, like all of, 
all of language is metaphorical. Like you can't get out of metaphor because the abstraction of language um, demands it. That that you know our language is littered with dead metaphors um, that we don't even like. Un no one thinks when you say I understand, you don't think that you're actually standing underneath something. Um, but that's that's a metaphor. Um, and so in, in this poem, there's this really interesting way and in like sort of going from the literal death to the figurative death, the kind of literal suicide to the figurative suicide and thinking the way through that the self constantly changes. And in a way it's a kind of, I, I think you can actually read it with the um, previous poem as a kind of argument against suicide, that if you wait long enough, you'll be a different person anyway. Like if you need to sort of destroy the self, just give it some time and you won't even know who you were. Um, but I, I really enjoyed um, the way that the previous selves, and, and, and a lot of this is, is an effective technology, right? This is like what Ann Carson says in Eros the Bittersweet about what happens when you go from an oral culture to a literate culture. Um, is that you encounter yourself as an other, that you see photographs of yourself as you once were and remember that, that you read old diary entries and you're like, oh, that's what I said then, that you encounter essays that you've written. Um, and so there's this, that, I thought this was a really interesting um, in terms of how it was kind of using the metaphor of suicide as a kind of um, way of understanding who one is now that I, th I think I think is sort of a really nice companion to the previous poem. I think it's really interesting that you bring up the Carson. I just recently um, read um, Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death, which is, you know, about going from the type typographic world to the image-based world. So it really makes me think too, if like, if this poem had, had kind of also drifted that way what that looks like um, and how, uh, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how, you know, there's there's a generation of people who have like pictures of, of their grandmother, like drinking natty ice on the beach, you know, and like movies of them and how, how interesting that is. Um, total side note, uh, Jonathan uh, showed me uh, an app recently, Jonathan being my hubby, um, and that app takes pictures and animates them, which doesn't sound like a big technological move, but it's basically like taking pictures of your ancestors, feeding them into the app, and then suddenly the still picture will like gesture, right? Like it, it like the, the image moves, like the head of the ancestor moves. And it scared the living crap out of me. I threw the phone across the room. I was like, get that shit away from me. That That's it, full of demons, right? Like it, it really tapped into a, a kind of, um, I don't know, like a deep, deep rejection, right? I don't want, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, that's worse than a Ouija board. Get it away. <laughs> yeah, I think it's creepy too. And they've been doing, they've been, uh, you know, you know, the TikTok um, mm -hmm. people do it for their grandparents and then show their grandparents' reaction, seeing their loved one, you know, be animated in that way. And they yeah. cry and I thought I'll, I'd scream. Right, yeah. You know, I, I, but, it's like, do not feed my relatives into that. I want none of my family in there. I need not see them moving. Thank you. <laughs> but I love to just think, like Jason was saying, I love to just think about the beginning of the third stanza. And I start to ask if I would recognize myself as seen from any real distance. Or would it all just blur? You know what 
this poem reminded me of um, the national song Mistaken for Strangers. No, I don't know. No, no, no. So, anybody? No. <laughs> Slushy is contact Alex and tell him this is not a deep cut and that the rest of us <laughs> should know the national, but um, we do not. All right, I'll put it in the I'll put it in our show notes. Alex, I'll find it. Send me the link. Send me the link. We'll have to ask Eric if it was influenced. All right, there there went that tangent. So <laughs> that moment, uh, the italicized moment. Anyone? Wait, say that again, Kathy. What do we think that about it? moment. What do you think of that moment? Well, I what I one of the things I really admire about this poem is the way that disruption doubles down on the fragmentation of the self, right? Like so, even visually, you've got these like really carefully organized stanzas, right? And then that fragmentation, and there's like a it's a long dash before it and at the end of it as well. So it's set off, right? Mm -hmm. um, really. Uh, emphasizes the the kind of facets or it makes the poem feels like it's made of facets not just fragments but like angles 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 of the self right well, I, and I, I think that's a really important distinction that like the fragment is a kind of romantic innovation from 1799 designed to allow contradiction I mean, it's sort of like a, a picking up of like a Heraclitian kind of approach where you're the whole point of the fragment is the is that it has to be contradictory with other fragments. That's why it can't be a whole. Whereas like when you talk about, you know, versions or images, right? That kind of palimpsest is like a very, very different way of thinking. And so I, I think that's a really good way of like kind of thinking about how the poem is doing something actually a little bit different than we might initially think. Right. Does the silence mean it's time to vote? <laughs> Maybe. I, I do have one question though what is the the the, the jar right the, the jar with days in it that yes. sounds like an allusion to something or it's triggering some kind of memory that I can't quite call all the way to the surface of my noggin does anybody have a does it echo or resonate with is, anyone is it if if I could save time in a bottle, <laughs> in a bottle. like is that, is that what you're what jar would I keep the days in that's because you know that we grew up with like 10 years yeah. of end of yeah. end of year montages set to that song on local news programs <laughs> like that doesn't happen anymore but when we were kids I, <laughs> starting in December you heard that song like every like you know yeah. every couple of days <laughs> I, I, I typed a jar of days into Google just to see if anything would pop up and I just got mason jar day November 30th so no <laughs> wait mason jars have their own day it doesn't have its own day at this point. I want a day. Oh my God. All right. I think we can play Mason Day. We all know this. <laughs> I think you can just write, I think you can just write to Hallmark and get a day named after yourself. Like you can get a star named after yourself these days. That's awesome. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Let's do that. Jason Schneiderman Day. I'm on it. All right. Thank you. I like this. I like this plan. <laughs> just want a thought okay then shall we we have one more um so let's let's vote on this one what do you think are you ready i'm no? ready okay one two three vote and it's in all right woo, woo. um yeah you know uh notice that we discussed that one i didn't want to say this for fear of like sounding like i was insulting the second one but the first one had all of those you know 
illusions and all that stuff like I, I it was interesting to me how much easier to deconstruct that one was and or to take apart you know and uh I was thinking about saying that this one's simpler but I think it's equally thought-provoking yeah yeah and actually I, I want to sort of like go meta for a moment which is slushies we often talk to each other about like reading the poems individually or reading them as part of a sequence, are they talking to each other or not, right? And we really strive to read them individually, but how could you, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, it's always a montage. It's always juxtaposition. We're reading a batch of poems unless you've only submitted one, right? So even though we're talking about them discreetly, individually, we're all, you know, of course they're in a sort of echo chamber, right, with each other. Um, and I don't mean echo chamber in a bad political way. I just mean it, you know, in that sense of resonance. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think when we're wearing other hats, we or our hats, our editorial hats, the teaching, um, we probably tell people, I know I do, I should stop using the royal we, um, that when they are selecting three poems to send, that it's nice to send three very different ones so that people can kind of see your range, so that the editors can see your range. But then also it's it's awesome when they speak to one another right and if we uh, actually we can apply all of this to eric because we said that uh first one was kind of longer and was um very wide couplets and the last one was four line stanzas and this next one um, makes much use of white space so um again slushies go to pdqmag.org if you'd like to see these on the screen not on the page but on the screen um, so we have one more left, if it's true of human nature. I would read unless anybody wants to. Anybody else dying to? Want to, Sam? You sure? I would like to hear you read it, Kathy. Okay. All right. If it's true of human nature, actually, I hate the flowers. Now that the birds have vanished as the last clouds drain away, and a thin light winnows down where a grove of bees used to flourish. And if you spoke to me of cruelty, I'd think about primrose in winter, lying dormant in the dirt, holding itself frozen while the leaves left on the surface lose themselves to rot. I've been bestial and cunning, the way a troop of foxes conspires to survive the snow as winter moths lay havoc on landscapes of white trees. And if you spoke softly, I might learn to trust you, even fold as a feathered wing, knowing that you might hurt me, and that that hurt might be a kind of devotion that we couldn't explain, as the roof dulls the raindrops above us into something bearable, as if we could know the limits of what we could bear. So, and you have to look at this. Beautifully one. read, beautifully read, KBM. It's a, it's, that was like an incantation. It's, it's, well, I'm gonna spoil I, I, I love this poem. <laughs> But you guys do have to look, slushies. There's, there's. Uh, oh, I, I, I think actually, I hate the flowers. Is what? like one of the best opening lines ever. 
Actually, I hate the flowers. Actually, I hate the flowers. Actually, I hate the flowers. Like, oh, agreed. It's so good. Yeah. And then an M dash in all that space, right? Yeah. I love how it's just sitting there. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not sure. Do you get what is true? If, if it's true of human nature, what, what is it that's true? And what is it also true of? Like, I, I, I was like, I, I love that title, but I, I didn't, I don't think I left the poem understanding. Yeah, I'm presuming that like it kind of, that self, um, I had the word and then I left my brain as soon as I opened my mouth, except not out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> just like the self-protection kind of just the, that's not the right word, but the closing off out of like fear and protection, like like that is, I think it, the core is like, that I, when it uh, kind of right indents into Ivan Bestial and Cunning. And yeah, I think it's right there, the very next stanza. I might learn to trust you, even fold as a feathered wing, knowing that you might hurt me. And that that hurt might be a kind of devotion. It's, it's human nature to be fearful as we put ourselves out there. Right? Maybe? That works. <laughs> and then couple that with that last thought, like everybody, you know, people go, oh, I could never handle that. I could never handle that. You don't know what you can fucking handle, right? Life just throws shit at you and you handle. I feel like it's about that too. I, I love as the roof dulls the raindrops above yes. us something bearable. Yes. Oh, to talk about something that commonplace without much profundity, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. If, uh, I just, I just love it. I kind of like how loose this poem is. Maybe I'm thinking just in relation to the other two poems, but this seems like, like a f not fragment, we already said that word a lot today, um, just like a snippet of a conversation I feel like the the speaker is having, just like, actually, yeah, I love the hydrangeas, sorry, I didn't make a Madonna reference, but um, uh, just like, actually, I hate the flowers, and then it, it cuts, the poem cuts off, but I can imagine the conversation keeps on going beyond the page. So I, you know, it's funny, like a sort of a parallel comment to that, Alex, one of the things that Kathy often talks about when we're working with like new editors for PBQ is to ask, do you want to stay with the poem? Does the poem make you want to stay with it, right? And boy, oh boy, does this one do that for me. Like I keep going back in and, and reading the images and rereading the images. And, you know, the, 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 the gap between the title and the first line is a baffler, right? Um, but I like being on the back foot. I like being destabilized. And then the series of ifs and the con like the conditions that this poem sets up. And then the images that, that like aim at delivering answers, right? Without being too on the nose until we get to the end, right? Which is still an as if, as if we could know the limits of what we could bear, right? So it's like this, this like quite like weird catechism of like questions and answers that, that are getting at something um, really uh, special in it through the image work, right? Um, so yeah, so for me, this is the kind of thing I would just 
it rewards rereading mm -hmm. period i agree with that and uh, i think it does the other thing for me at least that i always tell new editors and that is do you immediately want to have somebody else read it you know <laughs> I, like, oh my god look at this <laughs> right <laughs> that is such an essential truth right there like and, and honestly like we really do work that way as a team you're like ah get somebody else read this too you got to read this check this one out this one look at this one right and it's it's um it's like popcorn <laughs> the way they they sort of pop out of the slush pile right you know all of this um you know the hiding and exposing oneself and hiding and i think that's the whole human nature thing right the primrose buries deep inside the dirt but so that it can come back the next year Right. Um, I like the foxes conspiring to survive the snow. Like that they, you know, stand in a pack and whisper about what should we do. <laughs> well. Yeah. So I, I will say this. Not to, I don't want to like end on a negative note at all. Right. I don't love the title, but it's not enough for me to not love the poem right and i and i guess i just want to address that too for folks who are submitting the magazines right that like you know the poem that goes into the magazine is an iteration of the poem that might then change when it's in your chapbook or change when it's in your book or change when it's in your collected right like yeah. evolve and change right sometimes as editors we make suggestions for the poet right about you know changing titles i don't think we're we're here but i, I it's just worth like you know, pulling the veil back a little bit on on that kind of editing work that we do sometimes with absolutely. our absolutely. What is it that you think bugs you? If you're going to say a bug, what what bugs um, you? Well, the thing I'll do the opposite, right? So what I like is the conditional is right there in the title, right? But I guess the the reason I'm bugged by it is I can almost imagine actually I hate the flowers is the title, and then bam, first line being right. Um, now that the birds have vanished and it's because i can't def like defend that or, or know clearly which is the better move is why i'm a little ambivalent about it right i just i just don't know if it if it's landing in the right place and to be and you know what just to be argumentative with you i yeah, i love that first line as a first line so much it went one yeah. the title and that wouldn't intrigue me i would hear such a strong voice Mm -hmm. sound like snarky bullshit when it's that you it. interesting interesting yeah. yeah i hate the flowers oh right. for, get over yourself is what i would say to it you know what i mean if that's the title but it's so good in the context of the poem yeah but i, I mean certainly there could be other ones and that's and i and i do like the if the if beginning with that yeah yeah but that helps me too like i think you're right like if if actually i hate the flowers were the first the voice would be so like in your face it might push you out rather than draw you in right so oh. that's a defense for for the for the current title thank you <laughs> it makes it sound like we're getting right into the middle of a conversation that's already happening between the speaker and the you and we have if you spoke if you spoke right so nice okay I know we're still thinking. But are we ready to vote? Did we think enough? I okay. think we thought enough. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I, I think I've done all my thinking for today. <laughs> there should be no more thoughts. No more thinking. That's, that's I've had enough. Marion's the only one well. to be done thinking, sort of. <laughs> Even for her. Okay, are we ready? One, two, three, vote. And it's in. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Woohoo! Okay, Eric, thank you so very Eric, much. Eric Stiefel, way to go. Well, that was three for three. That was three that for was, three. That was amazing. Thank you so much. And um, slushies, let us know what you think, if you would have thrown your thumb up or down. And uh, about anything else, anything else at all. Do you know that song by the Nationals? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to immediately share these poems? Tell us anything. All right. Uh, does anybody have anything else they need to say? Before Just we that I love you people. Before we kiss goodbye. Mm. Okay. I just uh, want to let Alex know that I am familiar with the national. I just didn't get the comparison. <laughs> no, you're talking. About. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's our research. This is our after class for homework. And um, yeah. So everyone, keep reading. Love you all. Bye. Love, 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 love. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.